Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Dr. Issei Barnwell is a native New Yorker, now living in Washington, D.C. She is the only child and the perfect blend of her mother, a registered nurse, and her father, a classical violinist. She holds a PhD in speech pathology and a master's in public health and has been awarded multiple honorary degrees. A professor for many years at the esteemed Howard University, she worked in community health-based programs in computer technology and the arts. She also administered health programs at Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. and Gallaudet University. For 34 years, Dr. Barnwell was a member of the a cappella musical group, Sweet Honey in the Rock. This work by this amazing a cappella group is how I came to know of Dr. Barnwell's work. In Sweet Honey, I was entranced by the special magic of words, music, and the power of the unaccompanied voice. It is my immense pleasure today to welcome Dr. Barnwell to the microphone. Good morning, Dr. Barnwell. Good morning. How are you? I'm delightful. And you have no idea how honored I am that you would spend time with me this morning. The title of our episode is Science, Storytelling, and Song. And you have such a legacy of those things. So let's start with science. How did you get into science in your life? Um, My mother was a registered nurse. My father was an inventor with three patents from the United States government, as well as a violinist and, and, a, and a violin teacher. So I think I sort of grew up with those things being part of my everyday existence. And um, when I was 12 years old, I, someone took me to see the Broadway play about Helen Keller. And because I had been studying violin since the age of like two and a half, it was it was unbelievable that someone who could not hear could grow and develop and begin to speak, et cetera, um, the way Helen Keller did, who was both blind and deaf. And um, so I think all of those things coming together um, actually are still living within me. All of those pieces, the nurse, the musician, the inventor, all of those things. That's amazing that you had that complex, I think, set of experiences, the nurse, the music, the scientist, the inventor, but a single show really changed the trajectory of your life, that experience with Helen Keller. Yes, because music was such a part of my life. I mean, I had studied... My father had been teaching since way before I was born. I started studying violin at two and a half. And so, you know, to, to begin to understand that there were people who had never heard, will not hear, um, that was amazing to me. I, I, I wanted to understand it better. And it really set a path for me in terms of the things that I chose to do. And you chose to do speech pathology, obviously, because of that impact. But then you brought that to the world of music and the way I got to know your work in Sweet Honey. So talk about 
how sign language became such an important part of that? Um, I, I had studied interpreting because I felt it was important. Um, and because it was part of what was germinating all of those years. And so uh, Bernice Regan heard me singing and saw me signing at the same time and invited me to come and participate in a, a, a workshop for about a month during the summer, which Sweet Honey had every year. It was where they sort of listened to the talent in the community and looked for people who might be substitutes or new members, etc. And um, I was very excited because I was very excited by Sweet Honey and the Rock and I knew who Bernice, Bernice Johnson Regan was. And then they accepted me as a member, um, I think because they thought that I could sing and interpret at the same time. And I had to explain to them that interpreting was not for myself. Interpreting was for somebody else. And that it was really not possible to sing one of the five parts in the ensemble and interpret something that somebody else uh, was doing. So I encouraged them to get another interpreter um, so that I could really, I could be part of the ensemble. But sign became very much a part of then every performance, correct? Yes, it did. We hired an interpreter. We worked with an interpreter. She rehearsed with us and she traveled with us. One of the things that strikes me about Sweet Honey is why you chose to go a cappella just with the human voice. I wasn't there when that decision was made. Um, but Bernice Johnson Regan had a history of singing in what was the fashion. I mean, people just sang in the church that she grew up. I don't think they had an organ or a piano. I think people just the congregation sang. The song leaders would would let them know what the song was going to be and start the song. And, and the song would be raised, as they say. Um, and so when she began to do this workshop during uh, several weeks during the summer, it was all acapella. There was no instrument there. And um, so during that time, when I became aware of it and was invited to come and join, I found that very exciting. I had sung in an acapella choir in college and, you know, I had a lot of musical background behind me. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um, there also was not a note written on page. It was all. She sings. We sing back. She would say, if you have a harmony part, add it. And that for me was fabulous. I mean, again, I had sung in choirs and ensembles all through college. And so to be in a group that had that kind of freedom, you know, where you did not have to follow the little notes and dots on the page. <laughs> that, that I did not know about the group. Yes, so. there was no written music um, ever shared between us. <laughs> That's astonishing. So it's so organic. It's it's so um, ingrained in you. That yes. Oh, that that's a fabulous piece to know about. Yeah. And I have to say that the way that people um, would know that I came to your work, because your work was very, very influential in my life, and it poured over into my novel, The Eves. Um, there's a 
scene in my personal life where you influenced me in a way, and I'm going to try not to cry. You influ- your, your work influenced me <clears throat> because when my mother passed away, my daughter stood at her open casket and said, Mom, can I sing a song? And she sang, you're amazing, wanting memories to teach me. Oh, And the gift of your words then and today are amazing to me. Um, It's the, I'm going to ask you to sing in just a few moments. She's going to, it's the story of someone who has just loved someone who has rocked them in the cradle of their arms and now they're gone. And if, if you would just pick up some piece of that song for us so people could get a sense of what that feels like. I am sitting here just wanting the memories to teach me all. Oh, ah, lost words, just lost words. The whole thing came flooding into my head and I got confused. Um, I'm a, I'm a horrible singer, but I am sitting here wanting memories to teach me. <laughs> To see the beauty in the world through my own eyes. Yes, I am sitting here just wanting the memories to teach me to see the beauty in the world through my own eyes. You used to rock me in the cradle of your arms. You used to hold me till the pains of life were gone. You said you'd comfort me in times like these and now I need you. Oh, now I need you. But you are gone. I didn't cry. Well, maybe I cried. (laughs) Maybe I'm crying a little. Um, it's okay. Thank you. No, thank you. It is such a gift because where you leave us right there in the song actually picks up at the end and says, um, I'm sitting here wanting the memories to teach me, but I know you're with me. The please and thank you you taught me are always with me. I hear you in the whispering in the trees and the gift of so many songs that you've given me. I have to tell you, this is the one interview I wasn't sure I would be able to get. Um, so the the gift of being with you today, I, I'm going to gush because I really am so honored. And I want everybody to go to the Sweet Honey in the Rock. I used to think it was Sweet Honey on the Rock or End of the Rock. It's Sweet Honey in the Rock. And I have two of uh, the songs on my website at gracesalmon.net. One is the entire um, fabulous rendition of Wanting Memories to Teach Me. The other one is actually one that um, you adapted by uh, Cahill Gibran's work, which was... Say again, please. On Children. Yes. Why was that an important piece for you? Hmm. It's hard to kind of go back and remember what the actual inspiration was. But Sweet Honey, when I joined the group, used to have a summer workshop that was about four weeks long. And each one of us was to bring in a song each week, at least one. 
And for some reason that I don't recall right now, um, that piece, that piece of writing was made a lot of sense to me. And um, I, if I recall correctly, and I may not, I think I may have put music to it because there was a friend who had a child who was being baptized. And, um, and I sang it for the group because it was a workshop and I was just, you know, oh, listen, okay, so I wrote this last one. <laughs> <laughs> because you are so prolific. The power of that song for me is that your children are not your children. They come mm. through you, but they're not yours. You don't own them. You give them to the world. Yes. And in my novel, actually, that piece I use as uh, the introduction and wanting memories to teach me is the piece that I call the coda. So I have pieces of each of your works to begin and end my book. And bless you for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's like I said, this is going to be a gushy interview because I think it's so <laughs> fabulous, but uh, it really makes a difference. And that's why those are on my website. And mm -hmm. I was just had the gift of uh, interviewing a woman the other day who runs an African-American bookstore out in uh, Sacramento, California, and she had just lost her sister. And uh, I said, okay, let's not do the work part right here. You just need to stop and go listen to Sweet Honey and the Rock in this song, oh. and then we'll talk. So uh, your gift continues uh, for many generations because this story, this podcast, this radio show is very much about leaving our legacy. And I view you as leaving a legacy of your science with the health programs you did, with your storytelling and with your songs. And I have to say that your bio is also one of the most modest bios that um, I have found. Your website is fabulous. People can find you. Um, easily on the web, but your bio leaves out things like you have two children's books yes. and you've done Sesame Street. <laughs> um, so I love talking to authors as well. I didn't realize until I started doing my research that you were also an author. How did your two children's books come about and why were they important for you? Wow. Um, I have to try to remember. I'm not sure even which one came first. Um, oh, actually, I think On Children came first as a song mm -hmm. that I, um, I had read the lyrics of Khalil Gibran many times. And I think as I was joining Sweet Honey, there was a workshop that we did every day. And everybody in the, who was in the workshop had to bring in a song. And somehow or other, that was one of the ones that just began to sing itself to me. And I brought it in and began to sort of sing it. And other people started joining in and, and it came to fruition. Um, wanting Memories has a totally different context, uh, some of which I don't really remember accurately right now. But um, clearly for someone who, you know, I was thinking about who, who I had lost. And um, so that was a tribute to that person. And I love your, I, one of the songs that I love uh, is No Mirrors in My Nana's House. Mm -hmm. and, and you created a children's book around that. Yeah, I did. Well, um, the, the, the text for the book is actually the text for the song. 
And fortunately, Cynthia St. James, who was a great artist, a wonderful artist, um, became aware of it and, and asked if she could illustrate it. And I think she did a fabulous job with it. So, What I love about that book, even though I'm obviously not a black or brown girl, it really speaks to self-image. Yes, yes. And that is, I think, for many people and certainly for many women, such a thing we wrestle with. And I think in such stupid ways, uh, <laughs> it's so important. But the lyrics of your song are, are, and I don't recall all of them, but it's like when in her Nana's house, there were no mirrors. So she never knew that her nose was too flat or this or that. And even, right. as, even as a little white girl. Yeah, she didn't stand her to compare herself with. Um, and I actually grew up with a really good friend who had no mirrors in her house. I was always stunned by that. And I didn't realize that it had impacted me until something brought it forward. And I'm like, wow, I need to, I need to get this down somehow. And so that's kind of how that, that came out. And she always knew what she looked like because her, it was either her mother or her grandmother every day would describe how she looked. I think that's fabulous. And her mother, grandmother probably said things like, you look beautiful. You look fabulous. You, you know, empowered. Oh, her hair had been braided. She described the colors that she was wearing that day. You know, all of those details. Who thinks to do that? You know, but that was how she grew up every day. So. And that's fabulous. I loved, even as a white girl, that really spoke to me of not being critical and just being grateful. And right. uh, it, it's another fabulous song that I'm, uh, I love that you shared. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoyed in researching you is that there were three things that you lived your life by. One of them is to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. Talk to yeah. me about that. Well, you know, the thing is that we sometimes go through life without recognizing that we have talents. And fortunately for me, I mean, I, I think since I was about two and a half, my father was a violinist. So there was no question I was going to be a violinist. Um, but I started playing when I was two and a half. And so, you know, there was always a reflection between my father and myself. And my father and his other students, some of them were the same age I was. Um, so I think having that reflection all the time is very, very important. There was something else I was going to say, and I can't remember now. To whom much is given, much is required. Yes, yes. You can't let talent just lay. If you have it, it has to be expressed. That's who you are. That's the gift that you've been given. And you can't just let it lay, you know, un untended. Um, and I, I'm not sure where I learned that or, or how it became an important truth for me. But I think it's something that I've always felt. I started studying violin when I was two and a half with my father. Um, and so growing up with someone who was teaching not just me, but other people and watching these other students grow. 
you know, and, you know, if their lesson was on a Saturday morning and I heard my father introduce something to them and then the next week I could hear that they had practiced and learned this thing, you know, it's like, wow, that's amazing. But I was doing the same thing. I just hadn't heard myself or experienced myself growing in that way. But I think if we are given gifts, we have to use them. My mother used to have in her kitchen a sign that said, your talents are your gifts from God. What you do with your talents are your gift back. Yes, yes. I totally I totally agree. So kindred spirits there. Another thing that I learned about you is that you believe that when one door closes, another door opens. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, it's not as if, you know, boom, that's over. Life is over. No. <laughs> no, you have to find your way into another door, you know, or just um, be patient enough to find out what the next step is supposed to be. And I don't know how I learned that. Um, but it's something that I feel very strongly that there is something coming next. There is something that's going to, you are growing into something, you are directed into something. Um, and somehow or other that has to be witnessed, expressed. You know, you can't just sit on it. We really are kindred spirits, so I'm so glad we're having this opportunity to talk. In my book, we talk about never being done, that regardless of our age, we still have another door to walk through, another opportunity. And the characters in my books, the youngest is 15, the oldest is 94. Do you have some words of wisdom for aging for some of us? Oh, Lord, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going through that door. Yeah, definitely. As long and as many times as possible. <laughs> is is there a secret to growing old with that um, mindset? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've done so many things, as I mentioned. You've traveled in multiple continents. You've been an inspiration. And you're really leaving a legacy of song, story, and um, science. And one of the things that I loved about reading about you was that you thought it was always important to say yes. Absolutely. Because if we don't, we miss so many opportunities. Um, I think you know, invitations and questions are the way in which we evolve. If no one ever invites you, if no one ever asks you, we're just stuck in our space. And so all invitations, all requests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we have to pay attention to them. We have to respect them. And sometimes, you know, there are things that we can't stand, things that we don't understand, things that we don't want to necessarily see ourselves in, but they are the step to the next experience in our life. And they open doors, you know, that you would never even know that they existed. Well, you've opened doors for me. I love the doors that have opened for you. Um, Thank you for being with me today, Dr. Barnwell. This will not be our last conversation. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Anytime. Thank you for saying yes. 
This episode, <laughs> this episode of the Storytellers is a copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Radio Network. Thank you. You're very welcome, Grace. Thank you. Till the next time. Take care. Bye. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.